You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. With me today is Zara Abdullah, an executive and life coach and founder of Authentic Leaders for Coaching the Real You. She is also a senior marketing and cultural transformation consultant who worked at one of the top management consulting firms in the world and led various national and transformational projects in the Middle East and Canada. Zara has coached and mentored many professionals to be authentic and successful in all aspects of their life. She's a mother of two and is coming to us from Ontario, Canada. Zara, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So as you know, this show is all about change, and I'd really like to dive deeper into your outlook on change, because you see it as the best time to reflect, evolve, and transform. And while I definitely agree, I know firsthand that that is way easier said than done. Definitely. Uh, And I think we've been through a a very challenging time with COVID-19, and we've noticed how things has changed rapidly we were able to adapt. So we had enough time to reflect, connect more with who we are, connect with our families, just realize being in a situation where we really can adapt easily is fantastic. And if we look at it, consistent uh, change is our new normal now. Mm. And we change careers, we move to a new place, uh, we, we keep changing and we keep evolving, we keep discovering uh, and finding a way to to adapt. And I think that with COVID, because this is, I think, longer than any of us really anticipated when it first kicked off, we do indeed have the time to reflect. But in the moments where change is kind of thrust upon us and we didn't see it coming and we need to act quickly, how do you, in those moments, take the time or make the time to reflect and consciously transform Uh, an interesting fact about the brain that our brains are hardwired to adapt for change so we do have the ability to adapt to change and also accessing more of our strengths Uh, i want to talk about something really i'm passionate about which is appreciative inquiry it's around using our strengths and try to quickly access the strengths that we are aware we have to manage that change, to navigate through the situation. Can you tell us a little bit more about how appreciative inquiry is applied, particularly in organizations? I mean, right now, I think a lot of businesses had to adapt almost entirely overnight, but more importantly, there are people behind these organizations who are you know, making it work and keeping the lights on. And we've reached a stage where I think we realize there's, there's really no going back to how things were, not entirely anyway. And we've come to the conclusion that Band-Aid solutions simply won't work and we need to start thinking about more sustainable changes if we haven't yet. So how can appreciative inquiry help us do that? Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much for asking this question. Now, appreciative inquiry started as a, a methodology. It's a strengths-based methodology widely used for change management and change initiative inside organization. It helps driving sustainable change. Be, and it is different than like 
few years back, we used interchange in a way that what is not working and let's fix it. But with appreciative inquiry, our starting point is what is working well for the organization? Mm. What are the strengths we have? How can we bring these strengths back to action to make sure that we're able to envision what future we will want to have, how our future look like, and then how can we use our corporate strengths, the talents we have to reach to the design destination that we want to achieve. Now, what's happened with COVID-19, like technology adoption, we have seen that there are so many people, some of us, we were not, you know, like very tech savvy. So that the transformation that happened made us all online over one night, the mm-hmm. teaching, working, it's good, shopping. I'm one of the, the people who, I'm not a big fan of shopping online, but I'm now buying everything online. So. <laughs> so we were able to change and adapt quickly using our strengths. And this is the, the key of uh, appreciative inquiry. When it comes to organization, how we typically do this, we just said, okay, what are the strengths? What is our big performance? What is our big moment? What are the strengths we have? And usually to, to know your strengths does not come when you think about it. In the practice, you recall your peak performance, your best moment. And then you start to envision what made it the best moment? What made this a peak performance? What, what is unique about it? What strengths I have used in that situation? And this is how we bring your situation back to discussion. Okay, I want to I, I want to dive into that a little deeper because when I first started studying organizational development and you know that's what really sparked my interest in change management and going down this path, I learned about a concept or an acronym rather that was um, it's called SOAR and it stands for Strengths, Opportunities, Aspirations, and Results, and yeah. it seems pretty similar in that this is an alternative that's used instead of the SWOT analysis, you know, for those who are not familiar, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And as I started to see the SOAR methodology applied in organizations, I did recognize that there was some pushback because maybe it's the way that we've been conditioned as leaders and, and, you know, the people who are running the organizations, but there's almost this mentality that if we lead with strengths first and we ignore weaknesses then we cannot strengthen those areas in which we are not currently strong. So how does appreciative inquiry help us to, yes, I mean, I understand fully that it is allowing us to lead with our strengths, but certainly there are areas in which we can benefit from strengthening. Is there room for that in this method? Yes. Uh, in this method, you, you, your uh, first point is you need to design your future and you get into your, weak, uh, your strengths. Now, I understand that usually leaders and organization, even for job interview, they would ask you, what are your top strengths? So the, and the fear here that if we don't talk about it, if we don't service it, we will not address them Hmm. or we'll not address those strengths. In this methodology, our main focus on discussion on the strengths to design the ideal future and how to mobilize those strengths toward it, how to bring that into action, and it gives, I don't want to say neglect, but the, the discussion of weaknesses does not come in place because it's more about envisioning the future and how could we use this, these uh, strengths to, to move forward. But I totally agree. And now in the strength-based approach as well, 
usually you, you we need to uh, as leaders to make sure that if someone is very strong on specific area we assign the person to that area of talent or strength but the weaknesses need to be addressed in a way that it, it comes to uh, acceptable level so mm -hmm. that people are aware and it's all about being aware and have self-awareness of what are my strengths and weaknesses and how could I use more my strengths to overcome, to, to manage my weaknesses area. And that is usually a common discussion in coaching we, we usually have with people. But the, the risk is if we over-focus on weaknesses, whether it's individual or organization, we lose celebrating strengths and bringing and accessing this strength, which is vital for any change, for any growth opportunity. Mm, I think that's really important. And, you know, you mentioned self-awareness, which I think is a huge piece of the puzzle. It's, it's really key to success. And by having that transparency and bringing strengths to the forefront, we start to see, I would imagine, where there are holes in the plan. And, and if we see that, you know, I'll speak for myself, if I know that I'm really good at strategy and big picture thinking, but I need a little help when I'm really in the weeds and making sure the tactical stuff is getting done. I may not call attention to that weakness, but I, I pave the path for someone else whose strength that might be to come to the surface. Is that right? Exactly. And also an appreciative inquiry, what we do is uh, you look into the strengths of different people and you map that if you just like have a whiteboard and then you know and then you make people partners together in the area if you're like strong in a specific area and you can partner with someone uh, who needs help on that. So that is how you bring the strengths to work together and you have, you know, a clear visibility. So the partnership is very important. So if you are good at strategy, I'm good at finance, we complement each other. We work with each other inside organization to realize the aspired goal or objective. Interesting. And do you feel that with this approach, there are, you know, astronomically different results? Because at the end of the day, any method that's being applied, I think for business leaders in particular, they're going to be asking, you know, how does this work? What does this look like? And how is it different from how we are collaborating as a team right now? So what does this look like in actuality? Uh, um, in collaboration, uh, you, you identify, you know, like uh, to, to make this, to bring this to action, you map the strengths and the passion because when you use your strengths and passion, that, that accelerates results. So it is another thing that many leaders are now trying to focus on asking the passion, what, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing most? And then you figure out the strength. There are a lot of assessment on like strength finder and via characters where you could get really more understanding about these strengths and have a discussion. How are we going to bring that to, to the project or to make that, you know, like something guide the decision making for assigning to specific project or specific initiative. And I imagine that it's really important for the company and for the leaders of the company to have a clear idea of the direction they want to go in. Because if we're just going to lead with our strengths, then I can imagine we can go in a number of different directions. And exactly. you know, having an end goal or at least a destination that we're working to get towards is probably really important. Exactly. I'm envisioning what, what will look like. So that is very important. So what 
do we want the future to look like? How can we use this trends, this passion to move forward and make it a reality? Okay. So we understand a little bit better how this can be applied in an organizational setting, but can appreciative inquiry also be applied personally? Yeah, this is uh, interesting. You know, like for me, I, uh, I've been for a long time in management consultancy. So I, I'm a big fan of using frameworks, not only at work, but also on the personal side. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe that frameworks are transferable, actually. So uh, in, in, on the personal context, you could, whenever we go through change, we can think of what are the strengths I do have, what I'm passionate about, and how can I use them to, to move forward. I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, a turning point in my career and life was when I moved to Canada. I moved from the Middle East to Canada and from a corporate employee to being an entrepreneur. At that time, I wanted to enjoy the journey that I'm going through and not to stress myself. So I had sometimes basically to reflect on my career journey, on my why, my life purpose, strengths, and then I narrowed down option. So, okay, this is my, these are my strengths and these are the available options for professional and personal, personal success in Canada. Now, how I can marry those together, hmm. where I can look for work, what stories, which strengths I should reflect in my CV or discuss in the job interviews. And every time when I used to feel down, I start to recall these strengths, try to remember the stories, achievement. And that was really helping me to focus and be able to navigate, you know, like the, the transition. So when you lead, I don't even know if it's leading at that point, but when you have your strengths at the forefront of your mind and you recognize what it is that you're good at, the value you bring to the table, is that something that eased the transition and helped you feel like you were really capable of making this huge change? Yes, definitely, in two ways. The first one is being able to think what I could reflect and what are the available options. Number two is having positive emotion, and I'll be talking about that also in more details. The emo having a positive emotion is very important to, to action and to move forward. So every time I was feeling down, I start to think, I start to write them down because our brains respond better when we write things. So writing them down, trying to recall uh, peak uh, moments, that was really helping me to have, you know, like ongoing positive emotion and self-confidence. So when it comes to positive emotion, I've seen you talk about it. You talk about um, not only emotion, but positive psychology, positive imagery, and really overall having this hopeful and optimistic outlook on the future when it comes to change. How do we, how do we practice those things? Positive psychology. Now, we all know that a few years back, psychology was about trauma and treating. Mm -hmm. Positive psychology went through a revolution and we start to use positive psychology to improve the well-being and wellness of, uh, of people. So positive psychology tells us when we use our strengths, we have more positive emotion and excitement toward the future. So we're more hopeful that the future will look great, great when we think about it and we think of our, our, our strengths. 
And it's very important now in, in corporate development and organizational behavior initiatives, bringing the positivity onto organization is very important because it helps maintaining the momentum and it helps maintaining positive outlook about the future. And there's a lot of great work that done by Professor Martin Sutton mentioning that positive psychology, uh, sorry, positive emotion move people out of themselves and from self-orientation and improve their focus. So the more positive we are and the more positive uh, thoughts we have and positive emotion, we're more open to change, where our perspective is better, the way we think is, is, is actually improved. And that is what we need to, to think. Now, we're encouraged to do savoring, gratitude, um, remembering uh, peak moments, because all that help us recall some positive emotion, because positive emotion are stored in our brain. So we, we could recall positive emotion that helps us, you know, stay focused on what we want to go and help us, you know, like stay grounded. Uh, also, there is a very nice research done by Professor uh, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson that positive emotion trigger each other and create upward spiral mm. that broaden and build and help us, you know, like have pers new perspectives. So we start to look into things differently when we are positive. I love that. So for the leaders who are listening, who are in the midst of a big change at work and have those employees that might be making their lives a little difficult because they're just resisting the change. I mean, you mentioned gratitude, but what are some of the things that we as leaders can help our teams to do to practice you know, positive emotion or to bring it into the workplace, into the meetings, into cultural activities so that it really becomes second nature? Definitely. Now, there are many statistics about how leaders uh, influence the overall organizational climate uh, and positivity. So, okay, so emotions are contagious. As top leader, you influence the whole climate of your team as much as 50 to 70 percent. Wow. Yeah. So if leaders are walking to the office with positive emotion, with smiling, putting employees at ease, that would automatically help in generating positive emotion across the organization. And for leader to remember it, just having positive emotion help in creativity, problem solving, and even evolution. And there's also a study that shows that when people are positive, that, help, that helps open their heart and mind for change. They're more receptive to accept change. So that's, I think it's really important. Uh, we know the, the leaders of the organization carry a lot of weight and have the ability to really influence the culture. But if you've got someone on your team who is not particularly positive and is bringing down the team with their negative outlook, how would you recommend dealing with something like that? Is it best served in one-on-one -on -one meetings? Do you recommend, you know, phone call versus Slack, how can we kind of call these things out in the moment without, of course, making the person feel bad, but correcting the behavior, at least letting them know the opportunities they have to, to make some improvements? Yeah, this is a very interesting question. So usually uh, coaching uh, helps in such a situation, understanding the driver and barriers, because 
people motivation passion are, are different so uh, usually in such a situation just having one-to-one meeting discussion to understand the, that and coaching the employee to be able to really be open to new ideas understand what what are causing that negativity is very important so in such situation usually we recommend coaching discussion understanding because it's very important to to control the overall organizational climate for successful and and better outcome for the whole team absolutely so you're someone who's really passionate about authenticity and nurturing authentic leaders have you ever met a leader who wasn't authentic or hopeful or optimistic about the future you know we've talked a little bit about how to handle employees who weren't bringing those they weren't bringing the optimism but what about when it's the leader it is this is very uh difficult actually to address because now all the signs about authentic leadership that authentic leaders need to be in place for successful and sustainable result and usually leaders drive the whole organization the culture and that should start usually if the leader is passionate about the organization mission the purpose it's highly aligned with his or her value and passion and purpose it's easier to bring that to the organization so the starting point is to understand so as a leader is this the best place for me is this the best mission the best purpose that I want to be associated with. So that should be the starting point. Because if the, the, the story and the why, the purpose is not aligned with the values, that would affect the whole organization and it won't lead to, to better result. And usually people, if the leader is passionate about the mission, the, the, the story, the, the value of the organization, it's easier for him or her to bring that value and people can see it and read it. They can see the passion, the energy, and that what keeps them motivated. Mm. But if the opposite is happening, usually the discussion with the leader is, would you want to continue in this place? And is this aligned with your why, with your life purpose? Okay. So this is a big one for me because it's been coming up a lot lately. The the importance of purpose, of knowing your why. And I feel like there's so much pressure around understanding what you're here for and what your mission is. Not everyone has that figured out. And I think that that's, you know, it's certainly a beautiful journey for those who are interested in embarking and and understanding that. But for those who haven't quite figured it out, is there an in-between? Perhaps they don't necessarily know their big high level life mission, but they can see in front of them a mission that really excites them, an opportunity to grow their team, an opportunity to grow professionally, an opportunity to learn more skills. Does it have to be so big picture? This is interesting. Uh, you know, it, um, our values and our need does change with time, do change with time. So. For example, if I'm a new mom and I'm new to the career, I would need to go to a place where I learn and develop my skills and acquire knowledge. So my values, my need, and my passion is different if I'm like 20, 30 years in my career and it's time for me to give back. 
right. a time for me to develop people. So my values and my passion would change, but our purpose and our why is something that it, it, you, we need time. And actually, for me, actually, the best time was for me when I had enough time to reflect deeply. Okay, I like consultancy. I like my job. What was what specifically? So I realized that I'm passionate about coaching, capability building at scale. So it does take time actually to figure out. And one exercise that I, uh, I've read about is that you go into your a time a time table and you you look into your life journey. So what were specific moments that were transformative in your or life? And you look into that. So you look into your childhood and you look into your life journey and you try to look where are trans turning point or point that you really are connected with. And from that exercise, you could, you could really know your purpose. So for example, I'll tell you a story here. My dad didn't have enough money and he was orphan. He couldn't continue or pursue his studies. And he used to tell me a lot of stories when I was young about that we are fortunate, we have access to education, and he didn't have that. And that was something ingrained deeply in me. And I realized that with time, I always talk about education. I've never stopped studying. I've never, I, and when I see people that they're not going to school, they're not studying, I always have, you know, like a discussion with them, why? And like, for example, we're very fortunate in Canada. So when I see people are not going back to school or not going into studying or learning, it's not necessarily going back to school, studying, learning, reading, using all that knowledge. I, I just take action and talk about it. And then I realized once that this is something, you know, like I grew up listening to this story and I have extreme passion toward helping people to have access to learn and to study and to develop their own skills. So that's something that I realized and I, I then was able to connect from where it's coming. So everyone has a story, but we need time to figure out and connect the dot of why we are acting this way. What happened, you know, and we, there will be a story to, to figure out. Oh, I love that so much. And one of the things that I really appreciate about your story and part of you know, what you've shared with us today. I know there are a lot of people who listen and who, who genuinely feel like they don't have the time. They don't have the time to slow down, to pause, and to do this inner reflection. But you, you did it. You did it amidst a huge career change. You did it amidst change, <laughs> relocating, moving countries. And this isn't something that miraculously you will have time for it's something that you have to consciously make the time for if i'm understanding yeah definitely and just like always spending sometimes to it 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 really helps because i've seen leaders i've seen people in very senior position and they were saying i'm not sure if this is what i want to do and when you ask why you're not sure because if we didn't make time for it, we'll never have time for it. Right. Right. So for anyone feeling like they're in or about to embark on a transformational process, is there one bit of parting advice you could leave with them so that they know where to start? 
yeah, uh, definitely start with your strengths. So that is very important. So my advice, if anyone is going through a journey, of a change journey, just go back to who you are. Try to focus on your authentic self, strengths, core values, and put this as compass that guides your decision-making and thought process and it will help you to stay focused. The more clarity we have about who we are, the easier for us to navigate change. And most importantly, remain hopeful and positive about the future. Because if we have a negative outlook about the future, we'll never be able to move our perspective and think with clarity. Wow, what a powerful way to end this conversation. Zara, thank you so much. Where can people follow you to learn more about you, about your journey, appreciative inquiry, and all the fun stuff that we had the chance to talk about today? Thank you very much. Yeah, sure, they can find me at my website, authenticleaders.ca, or my LinkedIn uh, under my name, Zahra Abdullah. And thank you very much. I really enjoyed the discussion today. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.